Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today, as we move forward into the message, I'm going to be speaking on David and Bathsheba. Now, I'm a fan of David, and I've been with David. I, I know Pastor uh, Scott brought the message to us about David and Goliath. We know what David did as a young man. He slew the giant. Then Pastor Eugene on last week brought an incredible message about the anointing of David as king. And now I get to do David and Bathsheba. <laughs> now, the last time they put a male and female uh, for somebody to do, it was Samson and Delilah, and that didn't work out too well for Samson. <laughs> so today I'm doing David and Bathsheba, which is taken from 2 Samuel, the 11th and 12th chapters. But before I can start talking about the story, I have to give you some background and go into chapter 10 of 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel, there's a king of the Ammonites who dies. And that particular king was in alliance with David. They had a partnership, a peace partnership together. So now the king is dead and David sends his ambassadors to speak to the new king, the king's son. And they, David is offering the condolences because the king's son's dad has died. Now, in those condolences, David sends the ambassadors, but this is the key point. This is what happens with the next generation sometimes. The new king takes bad advice. So his princes tell him, no, they're not coming here to offer condolences. We believe that these ambassadors are here to spy out the land and take over our city. So with that being said, this is what he does to the ambassadors. He cuts off their beard and he exposes their nakedness. Can you imagine in front of all the different people that they're going to cut off the places on your privates and you're walking around, they were embarrassed, right? And we also know that when you're cutting off the beard of a Jew, Jews did not cut off their beards because it was to differentiate themselves from slaves and also other people. So when they did that to the Jews, this was a complete embarrassment to them, a humiliation to them. And when you do that to the ambassador, you also did it to the whom? The king. The same thing with Jesus Christ. He says, if you do things, these little things unto the little ones, then you've also done them who? To me. And I'm looking at this, so word gets back to David, what happened? So you know David just can't sit in place. He's a warrior, right? It's time to go to war. So the Ammonites, they know that David and the Israeli forces, they're coming. So what he does, they pay another country, the Syrians, to come into war because he knew that the Ammonite king, he knew that David and the Israelites would be a tough match and he couldn't do it on his own. So by paying another nation to come forward, the Syrians say, yes, they want that money. So they come forward to fight against the Israelites as well. 
And then David's commander-in-chief, Joab, goes on the mission to begin fighting. And when he gets there, he notices that his whole crew, all the Israelis, they are surrounded by the Ammonites on one side and they're surrounded by the Syrians on another. They're in a bad predicament. But I want you to tell you that when you're in the right place, at the right time, and God is on your side, you don't have anything to fear. Did you hear me, church? When you're in the right place, at the right time, and you're going according to your calling and your purposes, you don't have anything to fear. So as they are about to engage in war, Joab starts to set a strategy He says, I'm going to bring some of my best troops with me. We're going to fight the Syrians. And he tells his brother, who's also in the army, you take other troops and you're going to fight the Ammonites. So in the pursuit of war, when Joab takes the troops to fight the Syrians, before they even engage, the Syrians begin to flee. And when the Ammonites, when they see the Syrians fleeing, they begin to flee. So now before the battle even gets started, God comes upon the scene and now they flee to their different areas. Now the Syrians, they're a little prideful. They didn't flee just to get away from the Israelites, but they, they, they left because they wanted to get some reassurance from other people to bring them in because they wanted to come back and retaliate with more people. They brought tens of thousands of people back to the fight. So Joab takes that word back to David, and when David hears that the Syrians are coming back to fight the Israelis, David brings all the army of Israel, and he gets on the battlefield. And we know when David usually gets on the battlefield, we understand what happened because David is a warrior. We know what happens with Goliath, right? When nobody else wanted to step forward and fight the nine-foot giant, it was the little shepherd boy that said, you know what, I'm the one, you don't, I fear God, I don't fear man. And when that happened, he stepped on the battlefield and we know what happened, he slayed the giant. So now David is on the battlefield. He's walking in his calling. He's walking in his purposes. The God is with them. And once David gets there, he defeats the Syrians, the commander of the Syrians. David kills him. David kills over thousands and ten thousands of troops because God was on his side. So the Syrians say, okay, we had an allegiance to the Ammonites, but hey, the Israelites just kicked our tail. So David, hey, we're done with them. Our allegiance is back to you. So now the Ammonites are by themselves. And this is where we pick up our story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you can just listen with me. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. Now, this is important because David was fighting at that time with the Syrians. That was in the spring. Now we're about a year later because most times in those days, they didn't fight in the winter months because winter months were very tough, right? You you can lose a whole lot of men. So now it's about a year later and it's time to re-engage the Ammonites. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. David sent whom? Joab. That's important. 
Remember, I talked about walking in your purpose and your calling. Now, David is king of the Israelites, right? And so when you're king, God has a responsibility for you. In this verse, it says, in the spring when kings normally go out to war. So that means the Bible is insinuating that David should have been, what? In his calling and his purpose also going out to war. Then it says, they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, listen to this, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And a lot of times in scripture, we want to move forward. But, but I want you to pause right there. David is supposed to be walking in his calling. He's the king of the Israelites. David is a warrior, right? We know that everywhere David went, David was slaying people. They were defeating people. They were taking people's lands, plundering on people. And now David decides to stay behind. I, I'm wondering today, is there anybody today that's in the house that there's a battle going on, but you're staying behind. Is there a spiritual battle going on in Opelousas, Louisiana, in St. Landry Parish, in this region, but you decided to stay behind? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands because I think everybody in this room, you know exactly where you are. You know if you're in the fight, but you also know if you've subbed yourself out. Some of us may have tapped out. I can tell you, when I played ball at Virginia Tech, when it was time for me to get in the game as a freshman, I never said, no, nah, coach, put somebody else in the game. I'm good. I was on the edge of my seat. Hey, coach, put me in the game. In fact, I bothered them so much, they didn't even want me to sit by them. <laughs> they were trying to get Myron to the end of the bench as a freshman. Like, coach, put me in the game, man. I want to play. But today I'm wondering right now, is there anybody in God's house that's excited about getting on the battlefield? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to know that. Are you excited when God says, I have a purpose, I have a calling in your life, and hey, Myron Guillory, step into that purpose, right? right? Step into that purpose. I'm wondering if anybody's excited about getting in the calling of their life because when you're in your calling and you're walking in your purpose, God is right there. David subbed himself out. He tapped out. He walked away from his assignment. But listen, when he was a shepherd boy, he fought to get in the game to defeat the giant. Now that he's king, he's settled for the sidelines. Are you settled? Is it just good to come and hear a message on Sunday mornings? And all of a sudden, there's a battle going out in your neighborhood. There's a battle going out in our community. But you're okay. I just want to come hear the word. I'm good with that. I'm content in my place, God. I don't want to do anything else because if I do anything else, it's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Ask yourself that question. Are you okay? Have you gone AWOL? Absent without leave. We know what that means, right? That, that means that when somebody... They're in the army, they're in their fighting forces, and they just leave. They leave it up to somebody else to do. Can you imagine watching the Saints game on Sunday morning? And the quarterback, down. And he just walks out, runs away, and says, I'm out. Man, Louisiana people would go crazy on him. We might have to shut church down for three weeks. 
it would be all over. I mean, internet, social media, ESPN. This guy ran away from the battle. He didn't care about his teammates. We would go off on him, wouldn't you? This is what David did. And then there's sometimes this is what we're doing. I know it's heavy, but God wants to awaken us, right? We talked to Pastor Eugene always talking about revival. Revival comes when God's people get awakened, right? David settled for the sidelines. This is the great paradox. And I think this is for all of us that's in this room. You try to find rest or peace during war. How can you have rest and peace during war? David had the whole time, all the other months to sit and rest. And now it's springtime, get in the game. And David said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to chill. I've slayed my giants. I've done what I need to do. I I want you to understand when you leave others to fight your battles, you willfully release your responsibility for them to carry out. Are you giving somebody else your responsibilities? Come on, church. Do do you want somebody else to carry your load and you're not going to pick up the load yourself? I want to tell this church today, put back on the armor of Christ. Come on, church, put back on the armor of Christ. Strap on your belt of truth. Put on, hold a sword of the spirit. We got some demons out there to defeat. God has put the Holy Spirit on the inside. You are powerful. And I tell you what, what happens when a team comes together? What happens when people start to corroborate with one another? What happens when we jail with one another? I tell you what, the gates of hell cannot destroy this church. Are you ready to get on the battlefield? How many of you have gone AWOL during the battle in your life? Have you tapped out? What what about in our homes? Let me give you an example with this. In our homes, there's a battle going on in the rooms of our children. Hmm? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? TikTok, Snapchat, social, social media predators that speak into our kids, influencing their minds, and some of us are sit back, sitting back on the couch with the remote in our hands, watching and t- putting a gang logo of time on Netflix. Prime. Watching things while the enemy is speaking to our kids, we're set back on the sidelines and now from 13 to 18, we've been sitting back in their teenage years. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what they're looking at on their phones because we've been sleeping and we got on the sideline. What about with our spouses? The longer we grow with them is the longer sometimes we don't even know them. Huh? The enemy just tearing us apart. We would rather go deer hunting than to come back and play, have a word with my spouse. We would rather go watch an LSU or a Raging Cajun football game before spending some time with my family. Am I speaking to somebody today? Now, you don't have to raise your hands. We're not calling anybody out. We're calling everybody up. Huh? We love you. Still your pastor? We're good? All right. And then in our schools, y'all, I know they've taken, they've taken prayer out of school. They've taken the Ten Commandments out of school. And I mean, we rave on that. They've taken prayer out of school. That's why God is not there. 
if I'm on the battlefield and I'm teaching my kids at my home, you can't take prayer out of my kids' heart. If I'm talking to my kids about the word of God, you can't take the word of God from my kids' heart because I've done my part, been on the battlefield. I want to understand today, are there any parents that's on the battlefield? Are there any grandparents? Because grandparents, we need your help. We, we, we need a perspective, right? Because you've lived some life and grandparents can speak some things to you that can turn you around and make you see some things and see blind spots in parents that we don't know about. I know my father, he talks to me, my mother, they give me a perspective about how to raise my children. And then in our church, huh? We, we have some people back in the orange chair days. You, you were enthusiastic. You had some fire. Back at the old Grand Theater, Opelousas High School. But what happened when we opened the new doors of this church? You, you, you used to be small group leaders, huh? You, you were freedom leaders. You were on the prayer team. You were a prayer warrior, right? You were a disciple maker. Have you taken a step back? Have you asked others to do what you're supposed to be doing? I don't want to give somebody else my responsibilities. This world, listen up, listen up. In this world, they have too many people, and I'm going to talk to men real quick. We men, we've given our responsibilities up to other people, okay? We, 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 let, we let our wives or our ladies do everything. We've given them responsibilities, and now there's a breakdown in the family. I don't want to be that type of man. Do I have a man that, that's with me? Amen. Amen. I want to give you this word. When we forsake God's work, we'll eventually get worked by the enemy. When you're not doing what God wants you to do, I guarantee you, the enemy is going to step in. He'll work you. You know why I can say this from this stage? Because the enemy used to work the mess out of me. I was getting worked and didn't even know it. Are there some people in the house that the enemies, they've worked you before? Hey, raise one hand. You, you, might, you might want to raise two hands. Just raise two hands. That means you're in agreement. <laughs> Look at what Proverbs 16, 27 says. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. For the devil loves, man, the enemy loves for you to get away from what God has you called to do. He don't mind you coming into church real quick on a Sunday morning and just sitting there and get the word of God, go back home, and you don't listen to the, you don't listen to the word of God until the next Sunday, huh? You get a little appetizer, mm, I'm full. That's okay with the enemy because he knows you're just going to keep staying there. It's all good. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'll check it off the box. I did my ritual. I'm good, God. Is this Okay. You become good at doing bad things when you're not doing things of God. You become good at doing bad things when you're not doing the things of God. And, and I can say that because at one point, you could have never gotten me on this stage to preach the gospel. I, I wanted to do everything else that fulfilled my own desires so I can, and I was only thinking of Myron Guillory, I wasn't thinking about God's people. 
I wasn't thinking about my family. I wanted to fulfill Myron. And I tell you what happens. I was there all alone thinking I was doing the right thing. And all of a sudden I found my place. I found myself in a place where I, I didn't know where to go. God had to come in and rescue me. So what I'm giving you today, if you are that man, if you are that woman of God, and that's you today, I'm throwing some nuggets out on you, and I hope you're chewing it. Because if you start to chew it, you might be able to get yourself. God will get you, will get you out of that situation that you're in. Right? When the power of sin, y'all, when it takes control of you, you don't care who you get entangled with. Let's look at 2 Samuel 11, chapter verses 2 and 5. Let's look at that. It says, late one afternoon after his midday rest, man, David is chilling, huh? David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. You know why he was walking? He was probably uneasy. There's a war going on. I'm sitting at my house on the palace. And he's, his, his heart was probably a little bit uneasy. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Uh-oh. We already know where this might be going, right? Is this a foreshadow? I think it is. Look at what David does in verse 3. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of the Uriah, the Hittite. Now, this is the problem right here, men. Can I give you a nugget? Are you okay with that? If you're going to the gym and you're working out, there's a lot of things happening at the gym. If you see something walk by, and men, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you see a young lady walk by, the sin is not in terms of who you see. But the problem happens when we start giving the second look. There's a reason why God got your neck turning so that you can turn the other way. Huh? And don't tell me you had a crook in your neck. All right? Now, ladies, y'all laughing. But this message is for you, too. When you start to see some strong biceps, don't let your eyes start getting in the way of yourself as well because ladies, you can be just as guilty with your eyes as some men, huh? So what God is saying, hey, he's giving you an opportunity. He says, I'll always give you an opportunity to get out of that temptation. That temptation just went by, you know yourself, you, you know you got some struggles going on inside. And I'm not just talking about uh, lust of the flesh. There could be other things that you're involved with that you have a weakness. Everybody has a propensity to sin in different areas. It, I'm talking about whatever's in your area, whatever your heart, and you, haven't, you have some unrestrained desires. God gives you a way out. You got to just turn that neck. Amen. Right? David's unrestrained desires began to leak on others. Look at what Proverbs 16, 29 says. Wickedness loves company. Wickedness loves company and leads others to sin. Right? Now, I'm going to jump back up. I want to go back to uh, 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, because I think this is very important. Verse 4. 
It says, then David sent messengers to get her. Wow. He sent someone to find out her background. Then he sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, uh uh-oh, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. The one thing about the Bible, the Bible just, hey, the Bible straight to the point, which means her husband is out to battle because Uriah is one of David's, what, top men in the army. He's out to battle. He's doing his responsibility, but David is what? He's chilling. So he slept with her. We understand that she had just got off of her period, so now she's what? She's bathing because of that. And then she returned home. Listen to this, verse 5. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, say it with me, I'm pregnant. Ooh, ooh, the consequences of sin. But with David, huh? Because he had some unrestrained desires, it leaked on others. He got other people involved. They became an accomplice with him, right? First, David sent someone to investigate Bathsheba's background. He sent someone. Then he sent messengers, plural, to bring her to the palace, even though she was married. God has been, this is how great our God is. David is plotting and God is talking to him during that plot. David is plotting and the Holy Spirit is giving warnings to David, giving him an opportunity to turn around. But what David did, his lust was so strong, he forgot that he was a child of God. Right? And not only did he get other people involved in it, but he also got Bathsheba. She's a married woman. He got her involved in his mess. You know what happens with sin? Sin is so sticky. It's like old chewing gum. You know how it sticks to something? You just can't get it off. That's the thing that happens with our sin. It starts sticking to people, just touching people. And hey, we think it's okay. Oh, it's just gum. Now it's taking them all year long. They can't even get it off. And sin starts sticking. It starts, what? It starts affecting everybody around us. Are, are, we, are y'all picking that up? Huh? In David's day, look, lust was mistaken for love. What, what about nowadays? In David's day, lust was mistaken for love. Oh, I just got to go with my feelings. Because listen, David, his feelings was all, he went with his feelings. My feelings said, I need to get that woman. I don't care if she's married. My feelings said, I can marry whoever I want to marry. My feelings said, I can do whatever. And I'm not, I don't want to just pick on certain sins. I want to talk about sin all as a whole. It's whatever you're struggling with. Because like I said, we all have our struggles, right church? Lust has its focus on pleasing oneself, right? Lust doesn't care about the consequences. But love has its focus on pleasing God. Can I say that again? Lust has this focus on pleasing oneself. Am I right about it? You only worried about you, huh? It doesn't care about the consequences at that moment. When the consequences come, then you, oh, oh, what, what did I do? But love is always about pleasing God. 
David's love for God brought him strength and courage to fight and defeat a nine-foot giant. But his lust for women brought him frailty, which made him too weak to fight off his desires for a beautiful woman. David could fight and chop the head off of a nine-foot giant, but when a five-foot-five woman walked his way, he had no self-control. Man, the power of a woman. (laughs) David was a man after God's own heart, but there were areas in David's life that he did not fully surrender to God. Are there any areas in your life that you need to surrender to God? Look, look at me, because this is serious. Don't, don't nudge your partner. This is, I believe God's speaking to you. Is there an area in your life that you don't want to fully surrender? Oh, God, I, you, you got this. You can have this. But, but God, don't touch that. Don't, don't touch uh, my credit card. God, I'm okay with that. But God, don't don't, don't touch this. I I like this. And and, and if you mess with this, that means I got to change. And and hey, God, I'm not ready for change right now. I, I would rather choose me than choose you. Is there somebody in the house? that you got those thoughts and you're probably thinking it right now. God, I haven't surrendered this part of my life to you because I'm just too comfortable doing it. The area in your life where God is uninvited will be the area you experience the greatest amount of pain and turmoil. Church, when you uninvite God, Oh, God, no, 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 not, not, don't open this door. <laughs> that's not for you. I'm getting my party on, God. Hold on, that's, you, you don't want to see that part of it. I, I, I'm in the club. I got my favorite song, God. And they got this guy over there. Hey, I, my other guy didn't treat me right, but that guy over there, I got to get him. Don't, don't come and mess with that, God. Leave me alone for this moment. Can you just give me 30 minutes? The Bible tells us, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Come on, God deserves some praise for that one. Walk by the spirit and you will not desire what? The flesh. Man, the flesh is a beast. The flesh is always hungry. Never stop eating. You can't even fulfill it. And this is the crazy part about it. David already had wives. David had multiple wives. He was already, this is David's issue. He was already going against God because he was practicing polygamy because that was a part of the culture. Sometimes culture speaks and you better run away from it. Because in the church, culture is speaking to us and telling us to do all kinds of things. It doesn't mean that we bow down to culture. Huh? David had wives. 
God had given him all kinds of things. Now, God wasn't pleased with what David was doing, but David had wives. He did not need Bathsheba, right? But his lust, he was greedy. He's greedy. And now I know I'm talking about adultery, but y'all, that happens in other sins as well. I don't want our minds to just focus just on what David is doing because on many of us, you're greedy too. And you've been eating on the wrong things and you got a whole lot of cavities. But, but look at what happened with David, right? Bathsheba said, I'm pregnant. Uh-oh, what do I do now as the king of Israel? Because when, if anybody notices or anybody gets that I committed adultery, adultery, you were guilty of, you were guilty of to death. Yes. I, I'm pregnant. Now it's time for the cover-up. Uh-oh, this is what happens a lot of times when the consequences of sin hits us. First of all, you get regret starts to hit, right? Oh, man, why did I do that? God, if I just, ah, why didn't I just listen to somebody? Why didn't I listen to God? I'm sorry, God. But then if those, when those consequences become real, you start to panic, fight or flight, right? And many of us, when... It's when that consequence is about to leak to some people that we love, self-preservation comes. I got to take care of myself, and that's what David did. I, I got to cover up this sin, right? Love doesn't cover up our sins to hide our sins and leave us in our mess. To the contrary, love covers our sins to bring forgiveness and deliverance from our sins. Love covers it never covers up. So if there's somebody today, there's something that you're struggling with and you're trying to keep it a secret. Shh. And you're trying to cover it up. I'm telling you, that's not protection. That will be exposed and you will be in a worse situation today Right? You'll be in a bad situation to where you think you're good today, but tomorrow is going to be really tough for you. And, and I'm saying this, listen, this is not a judgmental statement because all of us go through this, right? Everybody goes through this, right? Listen, this is what the psalmist says. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. And this is the difference between cover or a covering versus cover up. A covering leaves room for the right people to speak truth in your life. That's a covering. But a cover-up eliminates anyone who threatens to reveal the truth to you or to anybody else. David was trying to cover up, right? A covering leads to protection, right? From your sins. But a cover-up conceals all of your sins. A covering leads to repentance, but a covering leads to stubbornness. A covering leads to forgiveness, but a covering leads to judgment. A covering leads to restoration, but a cover-up leads to isolation. We think covering up our sins will eliminate the consequences of our sins. The cover up will never lead to protection. It only exposes our selfishness and lack of trust in God even more. Hey, church, I know. Listen. The one great thing about the body of Christ is that we're in this together. 
I, I don't want anybody in the room to feel condemned, to feel guilty. I, I don't want to start hitting arms and things of that sort. I, I want you to understand that, hey, the reason why we're in this battle together is so that we can help one another because when we're in the battle together, the presence of God heals. It's not just you. It's all of us. It's God's spiritual family. Aren't we family? Doesn't family go through some tough things? And I know sometimes in this message, it could be hitting the heart of somebody where there could be some resentment, there can be some bitterness, but I'm telling you, God is going to heal you from that as well. This message is for all of us. Let's look at 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, verses 14 through 11, through 17 rather. It says, so the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. Oh, my goodness. David was given Uriah. Huh? David was giving Uriah a letter for him to kill himself. For him to get killed by the armed forces of the Ammonites. He, he was giving Uriah, a guy who was loyal to Israel and to David, he was giving up Uriah to the enemy. Verse 16, so Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. Verse 17, and when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. I want you to understand, other people become expendable when your sole purpose is to cover up your sins. Are you ready to throw other people under the bus in order to protect yourself? Have you done that before? Well, you stop caring about people because you need to protect yourself. You need to protect your reputation. When you try to protect your reputation, your ego, and your position at the expense of others, you end up hurting others and repositioning yourself outside the protection of God. When you think you're trying to protect yourself, and hey, we've all done it, cover it up. I'm going to protect myself. I don't want such and such to find out about that because if they do, it's going to cause a rift. Not understanding that God wants to heal that person that you may have sinned against as well. And when we do that, we think we're protecting ourselves, but we step out of God's protection. And now we leave open for that sin to affect everybody that's in our circle. Second Samuel 11 Verses 26 through 27, it says, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to, a pa- to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Now, listen, David taking Bathsheba in, that's not an act of service. David's just trying to protect himself because what David is doing is protecting his reputation. If he brings in one of his most, his finest men, his finest uh, army guys, if he brings his wife in and he takes the widow in, everybody in the palace thinks that he's the man. David just wants somebody to tap him, pat him on the back. So when we look at the scriptures, not like David is doing something good. David is just trying to protect himself. But look, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. There are times when nobody else knows what's going on. 
but thank God he's watching. Thank God that he, does, he doesn't just let me or you sit in our sins. A lot of time he exposes some things so that you can come back to him. Isn't that a merciful God? Even in God's displeasure with us, he never stops loving us, y'all. God sends David a covering and not a cover-up. He sends David a covering by bringing the prophet Nathan to him. I don't want you to get discouraged today. I want you to have joy in your heart. Because even at your worst moment, our God loves you. You may think you've done the worst thing in life. That's a lie of the enemy to keep you living in guilt and you keep replaying that over and over and over again because when God forgives you, it's done. I want to provide some encouragement to someone. I I want somebody to understand that, hey, it's okay. God is good. God loves me. God cares about me. God still loved David. Look at what he did, a covering, not a cover-up, right? Right? 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 7, it says, So the Lord sent Nathan. Don't we all need a Nathan? The prophet to tell David this story. Listen to this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. It cuddled it, he cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. Now, before I go forward, have you come to church sometimes? And you said, man, Pastor Eugene brought a word. I wish Johnny was here today because that word was for him. (laughs) And then you got your friend, uh, you got your wife looking at you saying, "Uh, that word was for you. (laughs) Man, I wish. Why didn't they come to church today? Because I've been talking to them about that. They needed to hear that word. And if they would have heard that word, they would have been all right. Has any, have anybody gone through that? I know I have. God was such as would have heard the word. That word was exactly for them. And then God is saying, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit said, no, no, that, that's for you. That's for you. Look at verse five. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Who, David? Quick tongue. Verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Unknowingly, David cast judgment upon himself and didn't even know. The rich man was David. The poor man was Uriah. The lamb was Bathsheba. David stole Bathsheba. She was Uriah's wife. David came in with his position and his power and stole the poor man's lamb. 
David had no clue. And there are times that we come in and hear the word of God, me included. And the word of God is, is hitting, hitting, and we're deflecting. Oh, bam, bam, that's for other people. That's everybody else. And God is speaking directly to you, and you get no revelation because in your mind, you're content, or you think what you've done is okay, or you try to hide it. The cover-up causes you to also cover your ears. I'll say it again. The cover-up causes us to cover our ears. We don't want to hear it because if we hear the truth, we get exposed and we don't want to be vulnerable, right? Because we're tough or we're scared. Like David, we too are quick to judge the sins of others without seeing that our hearts probably look like theirs. What we see in others, we fail to see in ourselves. I know we look at David right now and we say, ah, oh, man, I'd never murder anybody. Oh, I'd never cheat. Ah, Pastor, that, that, that don't affect me. But there are times that we may be doing a different sin, but our hearts just looks just like David's. The scriptures say, even if you look at a woman with lust, you commit what? Adultery. You didn't commit that, but your heart looks like David. And I think in here, I don't think anybody's excluded. I, I think we're all included. I think this word is for everybody in this room, including myself. So I know it can, you, you might in your, your brain, a message like this can make you say, hmm. Yeah, you probably still saying, oh, yeah, he, he need to hear that. Probably, maybe you're getting a little mad right now. You're getting a little tense because there's, some, there's been some history and some background. But the Holy Spirit is trying to what? Mend relationships. Maybe you are here today because there's some tension in the household. And God is just trying to bring you together to say, hey, you, I know you've been accusing such and such of this, but your heart... You may not be doing the same actions, but your heart looks identical to the person you're accusing. We might be a, judging David because he's a murderer, but the Bible says if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. Church, I think that God is speaking to us. I think God's speaking to us because he wants to heal us. We all need a Nathan in our lives to bring truth and revelation to us because this is what happens with truth. This is important. Can I get your eyes? With truth, God brings revelation. Revelation is just opening your eyes to see things that God sees that in the natural man, you cannot see. David was in the flesh. He couldn't see himself. And then with revelation, if you can receive the revelation that God is giving you, then there can be restoration. Amen. Truth, revelation, restoration. That's making things right with God. And look at the restoration that happened with David because a man of God came into his life and spoke true to him. 
2 Samuel 12, 13 and 14. Listen to this. Then David confessed to Nathan. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replies, yes. Yes, you have sinned against the Lord. But look at the mercy of our God. Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. I want to pause right there. Truth. Revelation. Restoration. All of us in this room, we got something that we're dealing with. And when we come to the house of God to get what? Truth. Because in the end, we don't want to get truth and let truth just remain as information. But because if it's just information, you know what it does? It just goes in our head. And you know what happens with your mind? You forget things. But revelation seeps down to your heart. And the word says, hide what? The word in your heart. So you might not sin against God. But when that revelation hits you, there's something that happens in your spirit. David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin because David deserved death for adultery and also for murder. But God, but God, verse 14, nevertheless, God's forgiven us. He's forgiven David. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the what? The word of the Lord. By doing this, your child will die. That's a hard word for a man. That's a hard word for this church. That's a hard word for me. It's a hard word. Tough word. God will forgive the sins of a repentant heart. However, there are still consequences to our sins. David's child with Bathsheba would not live. And then God goes even further. God says, I will raise up evil against you among your own family. David's son slept with his sister, raped her, incest. The other brother finds out about it and he kills that brother that raped her. And then Absalom, who killed that brother, raises up against his own father and steals his kingdom for a second. David took one man's wife his son took his many wives. There are consequences. Although David sinned greatly, he was still considered a man after God's own heart. And we often take snapshots of a person's life and dismiss them because of their actions. We take one picture, a man can do one thing wrong, and there are times that even in the church we dismiss that man. Thank God that God looks at the whole album. Because if you had to look at a snapshot of my life, when I'm 20 years old, some of you might disqualify me. thank God God saw the snapshot and he says but I see the future and this young man is going to serve me we see your snapshot 
But in the house of God, right here in Opelousas, we know that God has more for you. We, we know that there's a collage of pictures that God is working with you. He's taking that picture of you. And eventually you're going to see that album and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with you. So don't take that one sin. Don't take what you did wrong and say, oh, that's that snapshot. And all of a sudden you're disqualified because God is still working on that album. There's some things that God has in your life. He's working on it. And you know what? You're going to have a collection of pictures and you're going to start looking more like Jesus Christ. There's hope, church. David was flawed, but he always turned back to God. And this is what God loved about David. David wanted to please God, even though he was flawed. And that's why God called him a man after his own heart. And I want to leave you with this today. I have David was so moved by Nathan and moved by the Holy Spirit about what he had done. I want to give you a snapshot of true repentance. True repentance is, uh, repentance is not just a sprinkle of grace. True repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of your walk. Psalm 51, 1 through 4, and this was written by David for this time he was in with Bathsheba and Uriah. Follow with me. David says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Are y'all seeing David's heart? For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Let's move on to verse 16. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Can we repeat that? You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart. We live in a tough world. We live in a fallen world. And in some ways, many of us, we, we suffer from some brokenness, huh? We suffer from some brokenness. But thank God we have a great God that can bring those pieces back together. Repair, not only repair, but restore you. Make you a new creation. You're broken today, but God can make you new today. Did you hear me? You're broken today, and we serve a good God and a powerful God that can make you new today. Somebody wants Jesus as their personal savior because they're broken today. They want to be born again. They, they want salvation. They need to do something different because they've been struggling with those same old sins and they can't get over it. And it's just been affecting everybody around them. And God is saying, I got you. Isn't that hope, church? 
that even in your brokenness, you got a God that still loves you just like David. Look at what David did. And God says, hey, I'm, I'm displeased with you, David, but I forgive you. Because David confessed. David repented. David said, hey, what I did is more than just a, an apology, but it's a heart issue. And you know, in scripture, David not one time is it mentioned that he took somebody else's wife. Change of mind. And I know I'm talking about adultery. I'm talking about murder. But it could be gambling. It can be drugs. It can be all types of things, y'all. Something that you're struggling with. Or... It could be a situation where you're struggling. It might not even be sin, but you're struggling because there's bitterness in your heart. You're struggling because there's some resentment that's in you and you're trying to get it off, but it just can't. There's some hurt, there's some pain, but God is okay with the broken spirit because he's a God of redemption. He bought you back, Jesus, on the cross. Yes, David was the king of Israel and he was flawed, but we serve the king of kings who came to this earth, no sin, had all the temptations that you had, I had, David had, and sin could not get in the way because he was on his father's mission and he died on the cross for your sins and that's the gospel. The gospel redeems. The gospel restores. The gospel forgives. The gospel has grace. The gospel has mercy. So today we want to do something just a little bit different. We're going to ask that our, our leaders, our prayer partners, our leaders, our staff, come to the front and we want to pray for you. We, we just want to pray for you. Come on, if you're a leader, just come on up. We, we, everybody needs a Nathan. Nathan's word. He told the story and he told the truth. We've been, this is our story. You've heard the story and it's time, now it's time for someone to speak the truth in your life. It may be salvation that you're coming down and I tell you, we have people here that can speak to you about salvation. That just doesn't have to come from the pastor. We got people here that can speak to you about how to give your life to Jesus Christ. And then you might be struggling. It doesn't matter. what. It's, it Maybe it's not some grave sin, some gross sin rather. Maybe it's just something that you, you're going through some stuff in life and you just need to what? You need to confess something. Because before healing can come, confession needs to what preceded. Before healing can come, there are times that confession needs to precede it. And so I'm going to invite everybody just to come up, pray, whatever you're going through. Don't be ashamed. David wasn't ashamed. And look what happened with David. Forgiveness came, even in his gross sin, right? Right?